17 minutes it is now before 9 p.m. You tuned in to uh, Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. And uh, we now go into our culture talk, which we bring to you every Thursday. And uh, this evening, we uh, shine our spotlight and uh, uh, set our attention on the world of photography. Now, uh, James Puttick, a photojournalist at New Frame, uh, has been working on a photo essay here of migrants in the city of Johannesburg. And uh, we're going to be talking to him now on uh, this particular photo essay, uh, really uh, uh, looking at what has made the struggle for survival even more difficult uh, during this uh, COVID-19 lockdown. And uh, uh, this uh, first uh, published uh, at the start of this month uh, in the uh, digital publication New Frame. And uh, many of the images, uh, as we can see here in the New Frame, uh, taken uh, around May or so, uh, 5th of May, and uh, uh, James joins me now on the line. James, good evening to you and welcome. Hi, I have Bonga. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. James, maybe I guess uh, I want us to start off here. Um, some of the um, sort of motivations here, creative motivations or, or motivations otherwise, uh, that informed this particular choice of subject and uh, why you felt it important at this critical moment to really shine a spotlight uh, on the lives of many in our inner city. Um, I guess... Uh, the main motivation for me was the fact that uh, the foreign migrants um, don't don't really have access to uh, any kind of uh, government support here in South Africa in the form of social grants mm. or food parcels and those kind of things. So, yeah, they kind of stuck out to me as uh, as a extremely vulnerable group. I mean, particularly um, during the the lockdown, you know. So that, I guess, was the main motivation to try and kind of shine a light on that and and, and shine light on their struggles. Mm-hmm. And I guess in going there, uh, maybe just talk to us uh, briefly and we'll get into some of the sort of stylistic choices and uh, 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 the implications of uh, some of the stories that you've told here through this photo essay and some of the persons uh, that you uh, managed to come across uh, from uh, countries like Malawi, Zimbabwe and many other places. Um uh, where did you go and uh, what did you find when you got there? So I concentrated mainly on what's informally called the, the dark buildings or in Nyama and Dao, which are the kind of the notorious hijacked buildings in the in the Johannesburg inner city, um, which is where a lot of a lot of the foreign migrants are living. Um, a lot of the time, you know, rent is cheaper there. Um, a lot of the time, the migrants don't have access to the kind of more formal housing um, and so on. And um, so, I, I decided to yeah concentrate mm. on those spaces. Um, yeah, I guess James. I mean, just just to give some of our listeners a, a flavour of uh, some of the stories you encountered as uh, you went to uh, some of these buildings known as Mnyamandao. Um, mm. For me, one of the stories that struck me was the story of Precious. I mean, uh, an image you took on the 6th of May 2020. And uh, let me read this here. Precious uh, from Zimbabwe lives with her husband and five-year-old son. Uh, She's a domestic worker for an Ethiopian family in the city. She's not been able to work since the lockdown and has turned to sex work to feed her family. She says she's scared but has no choice. And she tells her husband she's borrowing money from friends when he asks where she gets it. And... um, Many other similar stories uh, of other uh, migrants, uh, uh, for instance, a gentleman there in a wheelchair who's diabetic 
and uh, mm. who normally begs in the affluent suburbs, but has been unable to do so during the lockdown. Uh, it certainly does, uh, James, uh, uh, give meaning, give names, and uh, gives some form of humanity to the stories that we often monolithically refer to as the challenges of foreigners, migrants, and others, uh, and many other, I guess, more disparaging terms that we sometimes use. Mm. Yes, I mean, it's quite a... I mean, all of these things are quite sort of sensitive topics, you know, and sensitive subjects that I was covering. So that Mm. was quite uh, challenging in a way and also quite uh, nerve-wracking too, you know. I was quite nervous to release uh, release these kind of stories, you Mm. know. Um, But I felt it was important to do it too, you know, just to kind of expose... Um, some of the struggles that, uh, that that the people are going through, and I think the story of, of Precious journey to sex work is kind of like, you know, quite a an alarming uh, uh, story, and and kind of really, you know, opened my eyes to the. Mm. The, the the severity of the struggle, you know, to, and the desperation to be to have to turn to something like that to um, to support your family when when you're married and and, and you've got kids and, and and you're turning to doing it to you know without the the knowledge of your husband, you know that that kind of thing really hits home to me. But mm. obviously, at the same time, it's also extremely sensitive um, sensitive subject matter you know so uh, yeah it was kind of quite a quite a difficult thing for me to cover you know but i felt like the it's something that needed to be Mm. needed to be shown you know james let's pause here for a second because uh, i guess we have a, a spot break nearing on us but when we come back i want us to take a look at what insights uh, the lives of uh, the likes of Sanelisa Nkomo and uh, Elizabeth and, uh, you know, Admire Makondo and many others uh, mm. give us into uh, the dynamics that have faced informal types of economic activities during this moment because uh, certainly that example of uh, um, work in sort of uh, the sex industry is just one example of many of the livelihood strategies that people have mm. adopted. Some have uh, sold illicit brew. Uh, mm. and, and many others who are already working in the uh, informal sector as beggars uh, or as uh, people who repair beds and do all manner of other work, uh, finding mm. themselves in a very difficult environment. So we'll come back to that theme, James, uh, on the other side of this. Eight minutes it is before 9 p.m. We're in conversation for our culture talk uh, with uh, James Puttick, uh, who's put together a, a fascinating uh, photo essay here, and I'd encourage many of you to uh, go and check it out on uh, uh, the new frame and uh, just to read from some of the stories here Priska Paketi, 49 years old is from Zimbabwe stands outside a wooden shack located inside a dark building in New in New Dornfontein she's employed at a factory in City Deep that was closed at the start of the lockdown and has not received an income since as a migrant she's not entitled to any relief from the UIF even though contributions are automatically deducted from all workers salaries Uh, and i guess james one of the issues that uh, come with prisco's story there is um, not only the challenges faced by many of her counterparts who work in the informal sector but even some of those uh, uh, migrants who work in formal sector environments who who do contribute to uif at this difficult moment can't access uh, the relief that comes with many of their contributions and uh, i guess it does put into sharp focus some of the uh, utterances from the Department of Labor calling for quotas in vulnerable sectors of how many, you know, foreign nationals can work in that particular sector. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of the time these foreign migrants are severely underappreciated in, here in South Africa and, and persecuted and, uh, and and so on. We all know about the xenophobia and then these more formal kind of utterances mm. and so on too, you know. But a lot of the time I think people don't realize how much they actually do contribute to our economy. Um, you know, just mm. for example, in the informal sector, you know, yeah. I, I didn't include any in this photo essay, but um, a lot of uh, a lot of um, these people work, for instance, in the uh, recycling sector, mm. uh, in the informal recycling sector, and, and make a huge. I mean, that that makes a huge contribution, um, both financially to to the city of Joburg. I mean, I think it's in the hundreds of millions mm. in terms of collecting waste and so on, and then also in terms of uh, you know the environmental sustainability and so on too. So. You know, especially in the informal economy, these uh, these things are often not kind of formally mm. um, quantified, yeah, and, yeah. and so they're not kind of recognised. You know, but sure. yeah, they they, they they contribute massively mm. in terms of that, and then also in terms of just the culture of the city mm. and so on mm. too. You know, yeah, yeah. James, let's pause here for a second because I've got one of our callers uh, who certainly has, uh, from what I hear, a very urgent situation here. Tiago, you are in Tswane. Good evening to you. Good evening, sir. Hey, how is it? I know, man. I'm very well, sir. Sharp, sharp, chief. Please go ahead. Yeah. Um, I got a chat and uh, one of the comrades jumped in the phone and said, I must never leave the story to you. Okay, what's happening? Uh, what is happening here in Tuani, uh, Zila Street, Pretoria, West, is that when I was at work, I got a call from a resident saying that they are being evicted. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I I don't have many facts about that. However, it would seem they were staying at some place, and what happened? There was us in there. Mm. It is alleged that the owner of that place is the one who caused uh, the place to to burn down. Mm. Ostensibly, I guess to get a insurance payout, according allegedly. I mean. Yes. Mm, so mm. he was then compelled by the uh, court to move these people and give them accommodation. Now, they've been staying at this place, I think, now for over a month. Mm. Under lockdown, mm. they are being evicted. What grants, I do not understand. Sure, sure. The security mm. rights company that was deployed here is now fighting the residents. It shut them out. It's even fighting the police. Mm, 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 mm. Tiago, please stay on, on the line for me and share your details with my colleague Utuma there. And uh, I guess this is a perfect opportunity also, uh, James, for you as well. Uh, it might be worth something to, to follow up here. But Tiago, thank you very much mm. for sharing that story. No, I'll stay on the line. Okay. Shab Shab Moren. Tiago, they're calling us from Twane saying in Twane West. In Via Street or Villa Street, I understand uh, there's uh, an issue there with an eviction that is underway, and uh, ostensibly many of those alleging that the arson attack that precipitated the eviction uh, is something that the owner of the building is responsible for. And I guess James, I mean, stories like that really put sharp focus on the precarity of life in buildings like uh, the one that you had an opportunity to see at Mnyamandao, uh, uh, where something like a fire or even the whims 
of the owners can mean mm-hmm. you know life changing um i guess life changing developments and situations for many of the people who live in these buildings absolutely ayabonga i mean uh, uh, one of the i mean the literal meaning of uh, nyama and dao is a, a, a dark place mm. but but it it also i think has a deeper meaning uh in terms of referring to a more of a kind of like a spiritual insecurity sure, sure. um you know and um yeah i mean in these places you know they they, they often face the, the threat of of fires um you know they don't have mm. uh, you know formal electricity in there they don't have uh, formal kind of ablution and and so on so yeah. Yeah, I mean the the living environments are are extremely challenging and mm. and insecure as you say, you know. Yeah. And then yes, I mean the the the, the threats of ev- evictions and so on are, are always there too, mm. you know, especially to, uh, uh, for foreigners who, who who often don't feel like they have the uh, the right to recourse here in South Africa, mm. you know. James Thank you uh, for taking time out to speak to us and uh, once again kudos on on some fascinating work and uh, may uh, you continue to click away and widen your aperture uh, to uh, uh, many other stories that we continue to find in our communities but thank you so much for for all of the work here. Thank you very much Ayabonga. Thank you awesome. for having me. Awesome. James Patrick there a photojournalist with New Frame uh, sharing with us uh, uh, I guess the story from Nyamandao in the inner city and uh, you know we share it on the same day where uh, the Mozambican struggle succeeded. Uh, the day Frilimo uh, took the uh, nation of uh, Mozambique. And uh, it's a difficult day, of course, for many of us, uh, um, least of all those who, who follow the, the history of black consciousness in South Africa, because uh, one of the celebrations of that breakthrough in Mozambique landed many people in jail. Uh, and I mentioned this after this conversation I've just had with James and the call that we got from Diego, because... I mean, the reality of it is that uh, we are all vulnerable. If by accident of birth it so happened that you were born in Malawi, it does not necessarily uh, mean that, uh, you know, those people are in any way less vulnerable than many of the African and black people that we find in this country who live in our slums and in our ghettos. And I think there's also, if I'm to close on this point, and this is, is what the, the Mozambican moment and uh, the uh, celebration of Mozambican independence today reminds us of, is that this country, uh, least of all the government that preceded the current one, is responsible for untold and horrific acts of terror, division, and economic sabotage in our region. They were responsible for that. Um, And I think if we forget that all of the people who leave their countries, who leave Mozambique and say we're going uh, Nyajoni, uh, and uh, we're going to Johannesburg or wherever, go to those places and leave those places. The same as many of us who are, are migrants in the city. They leave those places because our systems of power and our s- economic systems have made many of these places virtually uninhabitable. And I think that's something we want to think about, not only just in the context of us here in Southern Africa, but for many of the Libyan migrants who cross uh, land and sea to try and get to Europe, where they are shunned and kicked out, and in some cases uh, seen as uh, the underbelly of those societies. Let's think about them on this Thursday. Back with you again on Monday. Have yourself a great weekend. Take strength. Nangoko sakuba saibanga le economy.